welcome to Forever Canon, the podcast where we talk about spinning wheels, hypnotherapy, and repeating scenes. I'm Justin. I'm Tim. And this week on Forever Canon, we're going to cover chapters 9 through 12 of Fate of the Jedi, book 7, Conviction by Aaron Alston. Ah, ha, ha. The chapters in which I think I decide... I'm bored of this book. <laughs> okay. And I, it pains me to say that, to be honest. It could have been this one. Ah, I don't know. Listen, all right. That's what we're going to talk about this week, but first, bump, bump, bump. Previously on Forever Canon, when Dorvin wins big, huh? a deadly winter, minus 10 degrees. Valen thinks Nam Corios. Jedi think he's sane. Luke sees an old familiar face. The oldest living Jedi ever. And that's where we pick up this week with chapter nine. With Luke, Ben, and Vistara meeting with Cell, a.k.a. Tiselda, a.k.a. the oldest Jedi alive, as Luke Skywalker told us at the end of the last episode. Right? Mm-hmm. She gives us a quick rundown of kind of her whole life. She came here with her Jedi master, who was a hut, which I just found interesting. Yeah. They're not all bad. Although he was easily corrupted by this place because of his innate hutness. <laughs> yeah, his innate greed and <laughs> and selfishness. Anyways, she came here with her Jedi hut master. She went dark. She went crazy. She became a listener. She is centuries old, but she is also a human. She is centuries old, but she is also a human. How is that possible? Yeah. Yeah, she she's found a way to become centuries old by eating these drocks, these bugs. The plague bugs. Yeah. Because they feed off the life and force essence of living things. And so you can sustain and prolong your own... The, Life, <laughs> yeah, it like regenerates your body if you eat them, but it also sucks away your memories. Yeah, somehow. Neat note: she's of Alderanian and Hapen descent. Yes, just like Alana Solo. Hmm. I mean, I guess that is still her last name, right? <laughs> yeah. Wait, what is her real name? <laughs> Amelia is her real name. No, Alana's her real name. Come on! <laughs> Shit, I gotta get this right sometime. Whatever, man. She's not even a consistent age, bro. Anyway, she survived by eating the Drox. That's how you become apparently almost immortal and the oldest living Jedi of all time ever. Bonkers. Eating life-sucking bugs. Anyways, she drops some other note about how the Theron listeners... Our healers, they saved her. And how? By convincing people's bodies to heal themselves. <laughs> this is some bullshit. If it didn't exist within a world of magic. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. I mean, I wish you luck. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sick. I'm going to heal myself. It's fine. I'm just going to focus on positivity. I'm going to heal myself with vibes. All right. <laughs> But in a world of magic where the vibes get 
amplified and changed by yes. living sentient crystal beings. I don't know, maybe, right? But anyways, to sell this down to help find Abeloth for no, I don't know, discernible reason, really. And refuses to leave because this is where she decided she was going to die. Yeah, it's just, you know, a bunch of reasons for no real good reason. Mm-hmm. But she's down to help, and we cut to the Senate building on Coruscant, where right away we weirdly break the fourth wall for the first time ever in our 16th book, I think. Mm-hmm. The shuttle, Deep Ray, a Lambda-class vehicle much newer than the one Luke had aborted at Koval Station, glided through the port into the Senate building, blah, blah, blah. Who is thinking that? Whose information is comparing the shuttle that Luke took, the old piece of junk shuttle that they took down to the planet Nam Corios, because mm-hmm. they didn't want to have to go through decontamination process and stuff like that. Who has this information in their head that they're comparing the shuttle coming into the Senate building, this scene that involves all of... Siha and, and, and Kip Durin and Octoramus, people who were not aware of what happened on Nam Corios. <clears throat> Such a weird comparison, and it breaks that flow of perspective that we have always had through all the books. Yeah. Which is when you when you move <laughs> the way I say it, cut to a new location. That perspective is independent mm-hmm. unless, you know, if you're getting um, uh, multiple independent perspectives of the same scene. Normally, you move to a new planet, new location. Nobody knows what's happening in the other place because it's another place. Yeah. And time is consistent. But for some reason, when we cut to Coruscant here, the writer is comparing these two things that don't know about each other. Yeah. And it totally took me out of it, man. We don't, that doesn't happen in these books ever. No. And that's why it's so weird. If the, if this books were written and from that sort of omniscient perspective, which they never are, right. It's always the perspective of a character living in the story. Mm -hmm. But now we get this. Yeah. This God level pullback (laughs) of like, I saw what happened on Nam Corios, and here I'm looking at Coruscant too. What? Yeah. The only people who saw that are us. Mm-hmm. And now it's our own perspective telling us what's happening on Cor. It really, really whacked me, dude. And I don't, it shouldn't maybe have, but this break of perspective, the break of consistency mm-hmm. was absolutely jarring yeah it was i i i, I, I right away i was like how who who is who is making this comparison in their head nobody we were the only ones that saw that anyways whatever back to the <laughs> point we're at the senate building Coruscant, where siha watches dala receiving dorvin jackson and bramson all these names that we know of people that we know right mm-hmm. when dorvin not senator dala oh my god chief of state dala's Right-hand man. Jackson and Bramson. 
mm-hmm. bad guys who attend costume party and pretend to be good guys. One of them is a senator, and one of them is the head of the military or something. Yeah, some general or something. Yeah. All the other hostages are departing. Seahaw fake blows an engine on her ship to buy time in the docking bay for Master Durin and Master Ramus to eventually infiltrate the Senate building. Oh, my engine blew up. I swear. I need time to stay here. And then she like flirts with the mechanic and stuff. <laughs> Gets a date out like, of it. Can we go on a date? And she's kind of, she's legit about it, right? Yeah. She's not doing the Vistara thing that we kind of got used to for a while. The femme fatale trick. She's not trying to get information out of this guy. Or maybe she is. Or maybe she also likes him. Maybe it is a mirror of that Ben and Vistara relationship. And let's keep track of how that pays off. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. I don't know if it is. Chapter 10. Obridigar's Simulator Palace Coruscant. I didn't know how to say that one. No, I didn't even write it down. Obridigar. The what? <laughs> Anyways. Some guy owns this palace yeah. that you can make believe. He sure do. Or it's like three names together like a like a law firm. <laughs> like like the Tandro Arms. Yeah, Tend- Tendrando, Tendrando Arms, yeah. which is so bad. That's a really bad name. It's hard to say fluidly. Yeah. It's not a good company name unless everybody knows, you know, it's your Lando Calrissian. <laughs> but then when you why not Tendrando? Oh, I can't say that either. <laughs> Tendrlando. Okay, it's worse. I'm making it worse. Alberdigger bars. <laughs> Simulator Palace on Coruscant, where Leckerson, dressed as a Death Star pilot. This place reminded me of like an old Civil War reenactment. <laughs> yes, it did. People dress up in their old in their old military uniforms that are like decommissioned, and they come here and play pretend on the simulators. P.S. This guy loves costumes, doesn't he? It's like the third time we've seen him in a costume. Yeah, various old Imperial ones. Because he's not who he seems to be, Timothy. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, he's here for another bad guy costume meeting. The gang's all here. Senator Treen, General Jackson, Senator Bramson, as we just mentioned. Dalla welcoming them, welcoming them on the on the docking platform of the Senate building. Meanwhile, they're bad guys working to undermine her authority. And she doesn't even know it, but she knows somebody is the Jedi, but that's not true. <laughs> right. Yeah. That, that whole misplaced aim of her conspiracy theory is mm-hmm. that's the danger of the conspiracy theory, right? You might have a gut instinct or you might have uh, tertiary evidence that can be, linked together if you try hard enough right yeah or if you squint hard enough to avoid the obvious things you just blur the outside yeah yeah well bad guy meeting here at the simulator palace uh with our newest member yes admiral perova don't know much about anyone in this room really no um, (laughs) still lackerson the most and not much no which I guess is kind of the common theme for all the threats in this series. In the last series, the threats were Lumaya and Jason were the threats. Yeah, largely right? shining beacons of what and was like, going bad. And and not only did all of our main characters know them very personally, so did we, the reader, Jason, the most, and Lumaya, familiar from other stories. Mm-hmm. In this series. Our threats are all very unknown. The Sith yep. have been stranded on a on a desert island planet 
for 2,000 years. Don't know anything about them. Abeloth, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know anything about Abeloth. You know, our major threats in this series... Not nearly as familiar as they were in the last book. Now, a lot of subterfuge, a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff moving around. And, you know, a lesser threat being this council of costumed bad guys. (laughs) But anyways, what's the point? What are we here? Ah, because we're going to cause Dala to distrust her Galactic Alliance security. So uh, Acting Admiral Perova can provide new bad guy security. Wink. Yep. We're going to... Continue to undermine Dala's authority by putting bad people around her that she can't trust, but we can turn against her. Order 67. Yeah, that she thinks she can trust because she even, this Admiral Perova, she even went with an acting admiral that is also a Bothan. Right. To replace Boatu. Right. They're trustworthy. Tough times. And when your boyfriend is the admiral being replaced. You might have some, you know, projected trust onto the person in his replacement space, you know? Yeah. Which is who she dresses up as, by the way. Which is just horrible. <laughs> yeah. She drops her fake hand and then pulls her arm back in, so it looks like she's missing an arm like he is. Yeah, the scene, you know, look how dark the bad guys are, right? <laughs> yeah. But the, <laughs> what detracts from it is the fact that they're always in costumes. Mm-hmm. Like, they're just, they're just... Cosplaying all the time. Chapter 11. Kweg Shul. Nam Koryos. Why was... Why was the first part Aramaic and the second part was... Uh, uh, Antonio Banderas? I don't know. <laughs> but this is where we are. On a deadly winter nighttime. And Luke thinks to himself, How can this world of poor people... Be so dang pretty. The planet is beautiful, but it's full of poor people. Yeah. This. Let me stop you. Let me just stop myself and remind everyone listening to these words coming out of my mouth live or in the future that we are talking about Luke Skywalker right now mm-hmm. who grew up. A dirt poor moisture farmer. How poor were you? And how poor was your planet? You had to invent technology to suck water out of the air. Because there's not even enough water to be prosperous. Mm-hmm. He's on this planet with beautiful mountain ranges. And the skyscape is is fantastic because the sun is violet. And he's like, wow, this place is so beautiful. But it's full of fucking poor people. What? Yeah. The hell? And if I can just go ahead and call back to book one when we arrive at Keldor and the very cultured Ben Skywalker in the spaceport goes aliens ugly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What? Why does Aaron Alston keep writing these Skywalkers as untraveled, uncultured swine? Ben's laughing at how aliens look. Luke is shocked that a place can be pretty and poor. I don't, when you write these traits into heroes where they don't belong, Mm -hmm. you're writing yourself into the character, most likely. 
Yeah. Because that is not a Luke Skywalker trait to belittle anything. Yeah. To misjudge the beauty of a place or to un- underappreciate the people that live there and their <laughs> hard scrabble survival. Maybe the ugliness of the bug plague can put you off, right? But Absolutely. Why? This is Aaron Alston telling on himself. Mm-hmm. Right? It's telling on himself for maybe being xenophobic and maybe aporophobic. I didn't make that up. That's really what it's called. Being afraid of poor people. Okay. Aporophobic. Yeah, I looked it up. I had to look it up. Anyways, why? Aaron Alston did that. Not Luke Skywalker. No. Ben Skywalker probably didn't have that thought in the, in the spaceport. I don't care if he's 16 years old. He has traveled the galaxy more than almost most humans. Mm-hmm. And he's met a wider variety of species and cultures than most people ever would being at the Jedi temple and traveling the galaxy. Also, I cannot believe that these two people would have these two thoughts. It's so dumb. Yeah. It's, it's That's, very, this is my maybe most judgmental criticism of all time. That is so dumb. <laughs> that is really dumb. Super dumb. Anyways, back to, uh, Luke Ben and Vistara standing outside cells hut. And something happens. Then it was on them, under them, through them. A blinding flash of light and a tingling throughout their bodies as if each had accidentally brushed a high voltage line. Luke felt his muscles spasm, felt his mind go blank just for an instant. He saw his son and Vistara fall. He himself stayed upright. Not out of force of will, but out of control of the capital F force. He let the force energy pass through him, barely a trace interacting with his body. They all got electrocuted. Yeah. There's, it's, it's ground lightning in case you don't pick it up over the next few sentences where it's said four times. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is said. <laughs> it's bug killing ground lightning. Yeah. So that... You, nobody gets the bug plague where they burrow into your skin and multiply and, and eat you from the inside out and mm-hmm. turn you into a desiccated husk unless you control them with the force and feed off them and become eternal. I don't know. Different ways it can go. Yeah. <laughs> but ground lightning, ground lightning, ground lightning. said so many times. Cell comes outside to meet them finally now that they've all been, two of them electrocuted to unconsciousness. They fell to the ground. They did fall to the ground. Well, maybe it was just like a leg spasm thing. But yeah, I'm not sure if they were unconscious, but I, they definitely fell over. I don't know, man. Oh, my God. Cell comes out. Luke remembers Callista more than his wife. And then we're into some building and down some stairs to meet a lead listener. Some Master Taru Dern. Mm-hmm. Gonna convince somebody's body to heal itself down here. As these Theron listeners do. Yeah, because Luke wanted to wanted to learn more about their their techniques. techniques. Oh, <laughs> oh, we did it. We did it again. And apparently back in the day, Luke had promised to free stolen crystal slave people. Yep. And he did back one. He actually did. Recovered most of the, I'm assuming, very technologically valuable sentient crystal beings 
You know, like imagine what you could do with that technology. Yeah, like they were using them to put in like R two units and it's stuff sli- like that. Was, they were turned into a, a into technological components in a even more horrifying than normal form of slavery. Yep. He managed to retrieve almost all of them, though. Never got around those slaves at home on Tatooine, though. Hey, no, never got back there. He didn't promise to free them. Want to know why? Because they're poor. (laughs) Anyways, Luke goes down the stairs, and there's a nubble, a nubber, (laughs) a nubble. There's another troubled girl down here. And, like, we already had this in this book, man. We did it at the beginning of the book. They went to the space station before they came down to Nam Corios, and there was a sick girl who needed Luke Skywalker's help. And he pulled the bad force out of her that Abeloth put in there. And now we go down some stairs again into a room with a sick girl. Mm-hmm. Like, man, we, we did it. This is chapter 11. We did it like eight chapters ago. Mm-hmm. Not a book ago or two books ago or three books. We just did this. We've all we we already did this, except this is a little different because there's bad dreams of tomato soup, <laughs> which of course is space potatoes. <laughs> like we already did this, man. Master Taru is gonna teach us a sill technique, though force power for healing memories. Yeah, madness, mind manipulation. It's like, yeah. you know what it reminded me of? It sounds like a root canal mm-hmm. where like they're digging through this memory vein to clean it out, surround it and extract the badness to avoid all the trauma. What's wrong with this girl? She just got married and moved into a, a dude's home and apparently he must have made tomato soup and she started having PTSD flashbacks to like. This crazy time that her and her mom and their their pet Koopa got on top of a hill that collapsed because it was actually a den of drox that had been hollowed out like a freaking tooth that needs a root canal that has an infection inside that rots it from the inside out until it collapses like my tooth. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. yeah, I went through that recently it's too. So bad. Anyways, this imagery is kind of uh in its own echo chamber (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know like we need to we need to mine the vein of this memory to clean it out and then how how do what's the memory the memory is they fell into this dirty hole (laughs) and it was a major infection her mom got killed the 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 pet broke its legs and died you know the whole that was the whole problem but it's okay though because these sill techniques that they're doing. Remember how we weren't allowed to use the force? Well, this mind veining memory cleaning yeah. is a sill technique that's been taught to the Theron listeners by the crystal people who I can only picture as Final Fantasy crystals. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> yeah. They must be that smart. It's okay to use this technique because this turns into ground lightning. And not evil storms up uh, overhead, right? Yeah, it's 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 okay to use the force. It's, it's a bunch of just bullshit. Yeah, when it's this group's If you force. use it the way that the crystals allow, then it turns into bug killing machine, ground lightning. And if you use the force 
in unapproved ways, it turns into people killing winter storm time or something. But it begs this question. Who just did what before we came down here that got everybody electrocuted? What sill technique was being used a few minutes ago when we started this segment? Well, she, because they all got electrocuted, right? Yeah. And this girl is in like a like stasis almost. Like, it sounds like she's like laying like, on a a geode clamshell too. Yeah, and but, she's but like, you're right. He has her hypnotized. Hip, that's the word because it's freaking it's it, it's hypnotherapy. This, that's what this force power is. It's mm-hmm. force hypnotherapy. I'm going to put you to sleep so you can tell me what your most traumatic memories are. And then we're going to use magic instead of, and we're going to suck them uh, instead of, you know, psychological, uh, healing. Yeah. We're going to use magic healing. And so the best way to do this is to have this girl relive her most traumatic memories, but in space magic. So Luke, Ben and Vistara can see it all reflected in this, crystal geode that she's laying on right and right about now i stop caring about this book because i feel tires just spinning in in the mud doing nothing we already had this scene Mm -hmm. with a sick girl who needs all the men's help to get better and you're going to learn a new thing about a new thing when you reach inside and then take the thing out. This is red flags for me, man. And I, I just, I'm, I'm losing interest in this book again, just like I did with book four. Book mm-hmm. one was cool. Cause it was all brand new. Yeah. It sets its own pace. Book four went back to not talking about the main villain that we established in book three. Mm -hmm. So that was whack. And then stayed all on Dathomir kind of just teaching people to get along. (laughs) Yeah. And now we come here and we've twice gone down into the cellar where there's a sick woman who needs our help. And it's just, it's okay. It's kind it's in, in and of itself. The scene is interesting. Yeah. But like we just did it, yeah, and the, maybe without the dream sequence. The only the only difference is, is that here it specifically points out that Luke's done something very similar in recent memory. He does point right. it out, so maybe it's sure. Just a, but like, set the scene differently. Don't go down into a lower space. That's a dark contained space to do this healing thing. Do it somewhere fucking else. Mm-hmm. Don't. Hey, how many times is Aaron Alston just going to go down into a cave to do magic? Because that's all we did on Keldor. Dathomir was uh, up and down hills. Okay. So outside caves. <laughs> and then now we're just down a turbo lift, down a flight of stairs. It just feels so freaking samey, man. Yeah, it's 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 very repetitive. It's Ugh, stale, getting yeah, stale. Yeah. Chapter twelve. Force power time. The girl fell into a drock nest with her mom when she was five years old. Luke and Master Taru slowly lasso all the associated bad memories and pull them out. Why heal when you can delete? 
It's terrible advice for real life people, but here we are in Magic World. <laughs> I, you can't just delete your bad memories. You must become stronger through them. Yes, confront them. In real life. But, you know, here we just erase them with the force. Uh, these human experiences, though, are too important to be allowed to just dissipate like the cloud of light and dark energy that we saw the first time we went downstairs. This time, the things we pull out, we have to take in to ourselves because they're too valuable. All these memories add up to making a human experience. Right. So argument to leave them in there. Yeah. <laughs> but nonetheless, we're taking them out. And so when we do this, we have to take them in ourselves. Luke says, no, thanks. Yeah. Luke's not doing it. He's not having it. Nope. He's, he's got too much on his mind already. Yeah. So Master Taru takes on her trauma. And then is abruptly hit in the face with a flying data pad. Dun, 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 four storm. And down here in the cave. And apparently it mostly affects electronics. Not at all suspicious or mm -hmm. strange. Yeah. Chaos ensues. Self-igniting lightsabers, flying computer screens, exploding blasters, tornado of doctor's tools. Weird stuff, man. And cool Luke, Ben, and Vistara team gets up. To some cool stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know, the teenagers, there's this one house that's like, remember, we spent a long time, a lot of paragraphs talking about how about how the architecture. people in the windy place build their houses on stilts because reasons. Well, here's a house blowing off its stilts in the wind of this crazy forest storm. And the three of them as a team again. And it's awesome. Mm -hmm. Ben and Vistara do, do synchronized flying barrel roll jumps through through True. the viewport windows of the new of the nearby blowing away home also luke bangs his head and his knee still hurts <laughs> yeah he does other cool stuff too he saves people but like all right and when vistara saves this little kid this little boy she is almost she saves it she does it and then she realizes what she she did it just to save the kid. Yeah. Not for any other and Luke bonus realizes reason. That too. The, it, the whole thing is the house is blowing off and they got in there to save that Luke can feel yeah. family in there. And so like what happened? Luke saved, Luke saved one a, person. Ben saved another person. And she saved the, and little, she saved boy. the little kid. Yeah. And she gets him outside and she's like, you gross and puts the kid down. I yeah. saved this kid for no Ew, reason. Why am I good? Yeah. Exactly. Nah. It's pretty good though. Pretty cool scene. It's a fun little action scene. It's kind of tense. They they get into this house that's blowing off its stilts, and then it continues to blow off its stilts, and then they barely escape, and then it like bends over the one leg and clams down like that really bad sculpture from Beetlejuice that Catherine O'Hara makes. Mm -hmm. And then when Ben survives that, it the whole thing rips off and flies away like a hundred meters away <laughs> yeah. out into the storm. And all the, they're left standing there looking at the house like, hey, good thing we weren't in there. Crazy storm. But it subsides. Yeah. It shows, too, how like cumbersome all three of them are without their use of the force. Oh, yeah. That was something I meant to point out was to reiterate that fact. Yeah. All this saving and jumping and barrel roll through a window <laughs> somersaults that they're doing. It's all just natural athletic ability because if you use the force, bad storms. You wouldn't want to make the storm worse. It took Luke two tries to get through the door. That's why he banged his head the first time. Yeah. That was pretty good. But the storm subsides and Luke attributes it to Abeloth for 
some gut reason. It's the worst storm he's ever heard of. Yeah. Because him and Leia were both on this planet. But can I can I burst his bubble for a second? Okay. You know what happens to everybody everywhere he goes? The worst day of everyone else's life. <laughs> Every time Luke Skywalker shows up. Just about everyone, right? Just about. So, but apparently, this is Abeloth's fault. She's here. She's experimenting. Excuse me? She's what? She's what? Yeah. Yeah, I read that a couple of times. Find out next week. When we cover Fate of the Jedi, Book 7, Conviction, Chapters 13 through 16. I'm Justin. I'm Tim. She's experimenting. Yeah, on who knows what. Experiment 626. <laughs> For any comments and questions, you can hit us up at forevercanonpodcast at gmail.com. Forever Canon Podcast is a Jay Plazer production. Catch us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube at Jay Plazer. Check us out.